The Start On Demand. Good Monday morning, Mackling and McNabb with you. Brett McGarry returns on Wednesday. Happy Monday, McNabb. Just seven days from the federal election. Can you sense a shift in the excitement level? (laughs) I don't know if it's excitement, but I certainly am surprised considering how apathetic I was personally to going to the polls at this stage in the game. And I remain perplexed as to why we're still doing this, but I thought there would be a lot of people who just were disinterested. And I was surprised, you know, just in conversations with friends and at the rink and whatnot, who was watching debates, who was paying attention. And I'm going to vote today. I'm doing the advanced voting. So we'll see how busy it is. I've seen some talk of lineups and all the rest, which is good. Shows that people are getting out there or just taking advantage of being able to get out there earlier. Uh, Greg, you can, you can vote depending on where you're at. Ikea. Get your Swedish meatballs and a couple of uh, IKEA chairs and make your vote. What? I can vote at IKEA if I'm in the right area. That's one of the polling stations. So it's been kind of, uh, well, they had to really pivot, right? Um, In terms of the fact that lots of schools didn't want to be part of this. Kids aren't vaccinated. So schools are so often part of the equation um, for voting and they had to change that. And so in about an hour's time, we're going to hear from. Elections Canada, just on the polls and where they're at and what's going on. And um, I'm not going to be going to Ikea for voting, but those who have, I'd love to hear from them. If that was your tuxedo, uh, Cinnaboyne riding type area, I think. Uh, and then I think there's a food fair okay. in downtown lot that might also be part of it. So we'll get more on some of those unique places and then... Uh, Hopefully people just get out there, Greg. Oh, yeah, I've seen lots of folks celebrating the fact that it took them maybe two or three minutes to complete mm-hmm. the process. Uh, one of our loyal listeners, Tara, on Twitter yesterday uh, discussed the fact that on her bike uh, round trip, including everything that needed to be done at the polling station and getting home was about 12 minutes for oh, her. Right. So celebrating her that bike. fact. And on her bike, yes. Everything done, and she was uh, fortunate enough to come home with her bike. It didn't get stolen while she was voting. Hey, uh, question of the day. We just want to remind you about this because it ties into all this. We will switch it up before the morning gets too deep and too long down the road here. But question of the day brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca. Give them a call, 204-987-6890. And this question stays Stems from TFJ's feature, Tristan Field-Jones, and the discussion that we had here on the start a few weeks ago about the idea of a none-of-the-above option on the ballot with regard to federal candidates. And uh, would you believe almost 58% of you think that a none-of-the-above option is something that should appear on the ballot. Now, this isn't an endorsement. We're not telling you don't vote. This is part of the overall conversation about voter apathy, voter turnout, and how do we better gauge moving forward why people don't vote, in my mind, Loren. I saw a couple polls put out over the weekend by just social media users saying, if you could vote just for the prime minister... Who would you vote and how would you do it and would you prefer it that way, right? Because it's so, you know, I'm in a riding, for example, that's a slam dunk always for one party. And so it makes it hard to be engaged when you feel like no matter really which way you go, you're not changing the course of things. And so it'd be nice to have a bit more say. And so that's part of the conversation, too, that always comes back, you know, a more American style system where you can also place your 
vote for the actual leader of the party and then maybe also the candidate in your area. So at least people are talking about it. You know what else they're loving this weekend? Man, that was a heck of a good weather weekend. Oh. And, like, I can't get over I, that that kind of – I know it's not fall yet. We've got, like, it's late to go till fall. Summer. But it's late summer, and that's late summer – time feeling man it was good out there this weekend i mean saturday was terrific football weather and for those of you that made it out to the banjo bowl and had a great time or maybe you were watching or listening elsewhere it was a terrific day but let me tell you for as beautiful saturday was it was a little windy yesterday was picture perfect like you like you get that day in the middle of july you're celebrating that is I don't know if it gets any better than that for late summer, let alone midsummer. That was uh, one of the best days of the last four or five months period, Dot. And it's so pretty out there right now. Like, it's actually so funny how it was so dry, so brown, so mm. dusty. Now things are greener. The leaves are turning a bit, which I is it, it's nice until they're gone. You know? <laughs> right. So, I really enjoyed the weekend, and I loved. I know we're going to get more into this in the next segment, but that was a fun game to watch on Saturday. It was a blast. It was a blast to be there. Full crowd, a lot less green this year than in other years. Uh, fewer people making the trip from Saskatchewan. Uh, so the Blue Bombers did themselves proud. Yeah, you mentioned we're going to uh, take you back to Saturday uh, with an audio odyssey, courtesy of Bob Irving, the voice of the Blue Bombers. Doug Brown sneaks in there a little bit. And uh, uh, a unique, I would call, in the industry, we call it a music bed, an accompaniment, an accoutrement, shall we say, of appropriate fashion uh, for banjo bowl. So you'll want to stick around for that. Coach's show tonight, uh, of course, Bob Irving and the coach, Mike O'Shea, 7 till 8. Bob will join us at 8.37. And, and if you are sensing maybe, does Mackling have a cold or what's going on? I... <clears throat> I partook in Banjo Bowl a little differently than I do most Blue Bomber home games as immediately following my halftime responsibilities. Uh, Bob kicked me out of the press box and I immediately went and joined my friends in uh, in a suite where there was food and beverage and uh, let's just say didn't get home until very early Sunday morning. Oh, <laughs> so I like it. <laughs> I was doing a little yelling on Saturday and uh, my voice hasn't quite recuperated as of yet and neither have other parts of my body it's a husky or a huskier greg you're getting you're getting a a weekender greg voice versus the weekday voice so that's all right so we'll talk bombers and of course you know another thing that came up and i heard this at the rink i heard this at the different activities my kids are in as we dropped them off at school gosh i hope we get a full school year the whole crew Sons, Brett McGarry is here. Jeff Squared, Cam Poitras, Loren McNabb. What is the best thing you've ever found or acquired for free? Gifts don't count, as this past weekend was giveaway weekend in the city of Winnipeg. All sorts of funky stuff at the curb. And I think a lot of people enjoy that weekend, uh, getting rid of stuff and acquiring some cool things. So why don't we start with uh, the one, the only Jeff Braun. Good morning, Jeff. Uh, Good morning. Did you participate? Is this something that you do? And uh, are, are you are you uh, are you a garbage picker? Uh, I am not. I have participated in giving stuff away before, but uh, I've gi- I think I've given away all I have to give away at the moment. So this weekend I didn't, but I did unload a dresser one year, which was uh, a good thing because that thing was just taking up space for no good reason. I I think I told the story before where I was under the impression it was my father's dresser from when he was a child, and then he revealed to me. 
in like 2014 that no, they in fact bought it for me when I was three and <laughs> there was just no sentimental attachment to it at all. <laughs> so I didn't need to keep it and I wasn't using it and it was kind of rough and old. So I got rid of that. Uh, the best thing I've ever found though was it's, it's, that's a tough category when you don't include gifts. So my item was, it was just a, an, ex, uh, an extension cord to plug in my car. I had, I lived in Brandon in the mid nineties and someone stole my car, my cord one winter day which was, you know, it was frustrating as can be. And then the next day, I looked under my car, and there was a different cord under there, a longer cord, a much better cord. And that thing lasted me 20 years. So uh, I, I traded up on that one without doing anything. That was really weird, but uh, I'll take it. Exactly what I was thinking. You traded up. That worked out quite nicely <laughs> for you. Cam Poitras, you ever traded up uh, inconsequentially or accidentally? Wow. And, well, there's that one time, and, I, and I've said this before as well, the time when I was living in Merritt, BC, working for the radio station, that I found two combs on the street uh, in the span of one <laughs> week, and I, I brought those combs home, which was my greatest finds ever. Like um, combs? Sorry, like for your hair? Yeah, they were like hair. Yeah, they were combs. And, like, and then you went used? on to use them. <laughs> well, yeah, I wash them. Oh boy! Put them in the know, washing man. machine. I, I put them in know. with my other stuff. Okay. The washing you know, machine. It's a heat. It's heat. It has heat. Kills all the bacteria. Hey, you're not selling any of us on the notion of using yep. a, a, a used comb. <laughs> it was two in one week. I, I, I challenge anybody to ever to ever beat that. Like we talk about world records, that's a world record. No one's ever found two <laughs> two combs in one week. Uh, but uh, a friend of mine, when I was in um, in Calgary, he found these old. He was a garbage picker. He found these old um, uh, albums, and it was this bomber fan living in Calgary during the during 1962, during the lead up to the Fog Bowl, and she had every single newspaper clipping because she would she was was had free presses sent to her in Calgary, and she had every single article leading up to the to the big Fog Bowl uh, Blue Bomber Great Cup Championship, and he gave that to me because he knew I was such a Bomber fan. He was a Stamps fan himself, but uh, he had those and and he gave those to me, and I still have them, and that's probably the great one of the greatest cool things that I've ever been given like that. They come in a milk crate or. Uh, how did you uh, get these things? It was actually like in an Annie Oakley, uh, like it was like this cowgirl on the front. And then as you flip through the pages, it was all this. Bo- it was. It's a really. And the other one has Lassie on it. It's like classic 1960s <laughs> stuff. But uh, uh, yeah, great, awesome, awesome, awesome gift I got. I love that. Absolutely wicked. Uh, what about you, McNabb? I have been given all sorts of things over the years with family members who have moved to different parts. Like my sister moved overseas a couple of years ago and I ended up with a lot of her small appliances like the Instapot and whatever because the electronics weren't going to work over there. But I have to say the thing, it's it's like all utility gifts, like things that you just don't ever want to have backups on. And then you love having my parents moved out west and just didn't need as many winter clothes, just not as cold. My mom had out this box of like old ski mitts with 20, at least 20 pairs in there from the over the years. And it was just annoying to have this box in the house. I was like, fine, I'll take it. But like, you know, I'm annoyed. Can I tell you how many pairs are left in that box? Two out of 20 because we've gone through so many Mets. And another thing she gave me was her pair of old Sorrells. You know, you live in Manitoba. I never have invested in a pair of boots before. And I now, that's the only pair I wear in the winter. I'll, I'll start slipping them on in the fall. They're so clumpy. And I get great satisfaction out of walking around making that really annoying heavy boot sound. You know, boom, boom, boom you're coming down the hallway so it's all winter clothes gifts for me well i get the sense sometimes that those sorrels are two of your most cherished items like like in your life blanket 
because you put them on and you're just like, yeah, that feels good. And people will say, there's not even snow on the ground. Like, it's not cold. They're like, oh, yeah. I don't even have socks on in these bad boys. Check it out. Look how comfy I am. I love them. Well, they announce your presence as well exactly. when we're together. You know I'm coming. <laughs> it's almost like your own theme music. You can hear Loren coming from a half a mile in the building. What about you, Fort J? Uh, me and my buddy, when we were kids, we found a Game Boy Advanced in the park. Sweet. I know, but then we traded it. We, we met some dude, and uh, he we traded it for some firecrackers. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Win-win well, for everybody. It was. The guy was happy. He got a Game Boy Advance that me and my friend had found, and then uh, we got firecrackers that we, you know, light up and throw them at each other. And really not the safest thing to do, but... Uh, Is this somebody that you already knew, or no, uh, was this we, an on-the-street <laughs> transaction? Tell us guy, more about we, that. I don't know. We met this guy in the park. <laughs> And uh, he, he had, had firecrackers. people in the park that you don't know. <laughs> he said you. firecrackers to trick. Well, yeah, he had firecrackers, Braun. <laughs> I could, oh. you know, I'll give your kids some firecrackers for that Game Boy Advance. <laughs> Basically. Oh, boy. Sheila, I hope you're listening this morning. Uh, some of the lessons that you taught Jeff in his younger years didn't really stick. You're not supposed to talk to people in the park, Forte. How old were you? I think we're like 12 or 13. Oh, my goodness, Jeff. Can't believe well, it. Well, no, he was, he was a teenager. He was, you know, a few oh, okay. years older than us. It wasn't like some... Dude in a trench coat, like a 30-year-old dude in a trench coat. No, 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 he was a teenager. Want to buy a D? No, that wasn't what was going on there, right? Oh, a little Sesame Street uh, throwback. I have way too many things that I've been given. Loren, you can attest to this. You've been in my garage, and for all the things I acquire on my own, there are some things that have been given to me because people recognize the fact that I'm into certain things. My dad, I know Ross is listening this morning. I've already heard from him on the text machine. Uh, brought uh, just a, probably about six months ago, hopefully Jackie is not listening, uh, six boxes of hockey books, all hockey books. Uh, they've been given to me, lent to me. I'm holding them for him. I'm not exactly sure. But with that package of stuff, he also brought me a Bob Essenza Game used autographed goalie stick. Ooh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. So that sits proudly in my in my basement. So the best thing you've ever stumbled upon, you've been given birthday presents. You know those aren't really supposed to count. If you've ever found a comb, we want to hear from you. <laughs> no, 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 you found it. People have found them. You Did you ever find one? Pick it up, wash it, and reuse it. That's that's the bigger question. I, I like think. the way you frame that, Loren McNabb. Today is your last day to vote in advanced polls. Tomorrow is the deadline for those who want to mail in their vote. You have to apply by 6 p.m. tomorrow night for that mail-in option. Otherwise, Loren, you can apply to vote by mail or wait to cast your ballot on Election Day next Monday. Yeah, and of course, the pandemic has been a big issue, maybe one of the top three issues for Canadians heading into this campaign. And this morning, we've got new numbers from Ipsos. They did a survey exclusively for Global News, and it found 71% of Canadians are worried about this fourth wave. And they're increasingly concerned it will delay that return to normal, with more than half, some 53%, worrying that the fourth wave will be the worst one we've seen yet. Sebastian Delaire with Ipsos joins us now. Good morning, Sebastian. Good morning. So you asked some of these same questions in a poll in July before the fourth wave started. Are these numbers going up or down in terms of that concern? Well, in terms of the numbers going up, the the one that is most striking is the worry that uh, the new variants will delay things going back to normal. We're now up 
we've gone up seven points and now 88% of Canadians are concerned that this made the lay are going getting back to normal. So does that concern translate into an increased support for vaccine passports or other restrictions for those that are not um, vaccinated? Not really. It's kind of a bit of a mixed bag. But what we, for example, when we asked them if they would support more lockdown measures uh, in light of the fourth wave, what we see is actually support has gone down. It, it was 69% in July. It's now 63%. And uh, also when we asked them, you know, the spread of less serious COVID-19 cases, would it be acceptable if it allowed us to live without restrictions? And we have 50 52% who say yes, uh, which is very similar to what we had in July. So there clearly is resistance to, to doing much more about it than we're doing right now, uh, but very heightened level of concern. So it's kind of a mixed message uh, in a way. A month ago, that messaging was around the launch of this election campaign, Sebastian, and people wondering, you know, why are we going to the polls in a pandemic? With that worry up in terms of people being concerned that there'll be a delay to normal, is that impacting anything on the campaign trail as far as what the candidates are saying about the pandemic or what Canadians are saying about what needs to be done in the next uh, week before we make our vote? Well, we know from results that were published over the past few days that, you know, the concerns over having an election during the pandemic has gone up by 10 points uh, in recent weeks where Canadians are saying we shouldn't be having an election. So that alone is a big, big factor in the campaign. But also what we're seeing is that party leaders have to uh, find a way to talk to their own constituents while talking to all Canadians as well. And for different leaders, it means different things. For Liberal, uh, for, you know, for Justin Trudeau and for Jagmeet Singh, uh, their constituents are the most concerned as well as the most favorable towards tougher measures. Whereas uh, for Aaron O'Toole, it's a bit more of a balancing act because while Conservatives tend to also be favorable towards, you know, tougher measures generally, they're not as much and they're also not as concerned as liberals or uh, new democrats so Aaron O'Toole does have to walk a tight line where he needs to uh, he needs to talk to his constituents while also reassuring all canadians so it's a bit more of a difficult balancing act for him Sebastian Dallaire is with Ipsos. He's been our guest for the last five minutes or so. Sebastian, before we let you go, are there any other interesting polls that we might see the results of before uh, the election on Monday? Are there other questions that you're asking Canadians uh, in advance of the election? Oh, for sure. There are going to be uh, uh, a couple more polls coming up uh, before the, the end of it all. And there's so many important issues uh not also covid related obviously covid is this massive shadow over the campaign but definitely a lot of other issues to cover we know that the campaign is you know the last few days are always extremely important and probably especially now we appreciate your time this morning. Sebastian Dallaire with Ipsos. Uh, Loren, these uh, polls uh, dig in, I think, quite deeply into the psyche of Canadians as we head to these polls. And I can only imagine that the politicians are paying attention to Canadians, um, how they feel about these uh, different questions being asked and answered. 
Because there's two things at play here, right? There's the concern about the fourth wave and what it might do, but then the concern that it'll delay life getting back to normal. And so hearing that Canadians are not, you know, there's some numbers that have gone down, not in favor of more, seeing more restrictions, maybe more rules around vaccines. And so that's something that they'll continue to get asked, both there and on the provincial scale too. We've got a provincial leadership race underway and that question will get asked, how do you feel about vaccine mandates? And it will continue to get asked uh, in the lead up to September 20th. Mackling and McNabb with you. McGarry returns on Wednesday. Looks like it's going to be a terrific day outside. That wind will be a factor throughout the day, but if you're getting the opportunity to spend your time outside, maybe you're cycling to work today. It is bike to work day, Loren, and it's something that we discussed back in June. They had a virtual event, but with the changes in COVID-19 and our ability to maybe get out and see each other a little bit more, uh, the folks at uh, the at the, this incredible event have decided to uh, invite folks to ride their bike to work today and for the rest of the week. Yeah, I'd love to hear from Winnipeggers as to how many people actually do take their bike to work. And if you do that, is it a year-round thing? Is it just on certain days? Is it weather permitting? Another really cool thing I saw from the weekend that I hadn't realized this was such a popular option was the bike to the Blue Bombers game, the valet service that's provided for people by bike to IG Field. It, there had to have been thousands of bikes in this uh, corral area. You go in, you can park your bike. They're locked up safely there, I think. And then you go back and get in line and take the bike back home. And uh, it it was shocking how jammed those bike racks were in some of the photos I saw on social media. So that was fantastic to see. In fact, I saw some people tweeting out how sometimes they will drive to the game, but maybe not park at the closest parking lot they might park a little farther away then they'll take their bike off the bike rack and then continue on by bike and kind of using that dual mode transportation which i thought was fantastic to see i honestly wasn't really aware of the service and how it works but more than that the uptake from it is tremendous so if you're someone who's been doing that to games 780-6868 or if you're someone who is genuinely biking to work or has just started to i'd love to know your experiences we're spending more on these trails over the last few years, these active transportation routes, are they getting used? That's the big question people have. There's no question about it. And that back, bike valet has gotten larger every single year at IG Field. And you're bang on in terms of the dual uh, mode transportation that some people will take advantage of. They'll load up their bikes in the back of their pickup truck or maybe they've got a bike rack and park somewhere manageable in terms of a bike ride and finish the ride or their uh, their tr- journey, I guess it, it could be called, to IG Field. And uh, then they uh, cycle back to their vehicle, load the bikes up, and then drive home. It's an absolutely brilliant way to do it if you don't live close enough to IG Field to do the entire distance from home via bicycle. And they've got that valet, and it's uh, guarded. It's not like you got to find a, a bike rack or a, a, a stop sign a pole or something to, to chain it to. It, it is very organized. Rave reviews about that bike valet. Maybe we should have somebody on from the Blue Bombers uh, in the lead up to the October 8th game against Edmonton uh, just to find out exactly how many people use that service, how popular it's become because uh, it's, it's a genuine phenomenon in my mind. Yeah, and I think there's also so many other unique things that I see people doing to get to the field. They worked out some transportation kinks years ago. So I'm going to put a note into the city now, too. I'm curious about bus use. Is that up at games? I saw a lot of people using different shuttle services from different communities. There was a Niverville taxi bus there at the last game I was asked. 
at filled with people. And so I know people are looking for ways to get there safely and maybe it allow them to also not worry about what they're consuming or drinking at the games, which is part of the equation as well. Um, but we'll work to get some more numbers on the bike front because as we put millions of dollars into trails, you want to know they're being used and then where you could go next with that option. I've still always wanted to take a boat up the red and park it somewhere. I don't know how I'd manage that, but you know, well, uh, you mean to go to a bomber game yeah. or elsewhere? Uh, you know, they have. I, I, they they have. used to have a dock, and I'm actually not sure if they still do. Well, they have a marina at uh, at Pony Corral Pier 7. I don't know how many spots they have, but then they have a bus to there you go. IG Field. So, you know, you want to talk about using multiple modes of transportation. That's a unique one, boat and bus. I would be down with that. If you get that figured out, maybe we'll have to look at this right on the air right now. We have two different ideas from discussions about how to get to Blue Bomber Games. Uh, 780-6868. I like Loren's invitation. Are you cycling to work? Are you cycling more? Are you using those active transportation routes? I live in the northeast corner of the city. That Pioneer's Greenway is jam-packed with cyclists, with rollerbladers, uh, with walkers, with joggers, almost every single day and almost regardless of the weather, Loren, I think it's an absolutely perfect example of if you build it, they will come. I've seen it over the last 10 years, how that piece of, of infrastructure has become so popular. In fact, I think I noticed on Saturday that they uh, laid a fresh a layer of uh, asphalt on uh, Pioneer's Greenway for a great chunk of it. They're working on something, I understand, in East St. Paul so that you'd be able to, on asphalt, be able to ride your bike basically from Elmwood all the way to Birds Hill Park hmm. through East St. Paul. It's something uh, that they're working on and that connectivity is fantastic, right? It's good to have this infrastructure in bits and pieces, but it's defeating the purpose for uh, more people to use it transportation-wise. If you can only get so far and then you've got to plug your nose and jump into traffic that you don't necessarily want to be a part of. And that has to go with two, like Noreen just texted now to talk about what she does for Bomber Games and, and Noreen saying that, yeah, we drive to the Bomber Game from Garden City. We park in the general area and then bike the rest of the way to IG Field. The valet is very quick. It's much quicker to get you back into your vehicle as well. And so maybe there's that hybrid model people are using, which is fascinating to me. But man, it was great to see all those bikes out there. That was cool. No question. The sun is shining, the sky is mostly blue, an outstanding day to get out on the links, to get on your bicycle, to get outside, if you can at all do so. The wind will be an issue, of course. That that's hey, we're used to wind here on the prairies. It was an absolutely splendid, if not spectacular, day yesterday, Loren, one of those days that we don't often get just warm enough to sit outside comfortably in your shorts and a t-shirt cool enough of a wind to cool you down when you when you needed it and a lack of wind to do just about anything golfing frisbee rollerblading you name it it was it was picture perfect yesterday Great day. Haven't pulled out the rollerblades yet this year, but it was a great day. There was biking and walking and running and all sorts of things going on in our neighborhood. So it was great to see. And of course, it was a good game. Good day to go to the football game. Good weekend. No kidding. No doubt about it. The voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers joins us every Monday morning to take a look back at sports over the weekend. We will 
not get around to everything this morning, but uh, of course it was the first week of NFL action that wraps up tonight. The Blue Jays bats may quite literally be on fire and much else happening, but we must begin with the Blue Bombers and another win Saturday. They moved to 5-1, and one, and is there any doubt as to who the best team in the CFL is right now, Loren? I don't know. I think that the answer would be no, there is no doubt. So we're joined now by Bob Irving, voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. How's it going, Bob? Your voice still with you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it was a little uh, little hoarse yesterday, but I think it's it's much better today. It was quite an exciting Saturday afternoon at IG Field with the sellout crowd and uh, lots going on in the football game, including one of those uh, scrums and brawls where players were throwing out and uh, – emotions were running high but at the end of the day the bombers had a 33 to 9 win they outscored saskatchewan in these back-to-back games 56 to 17 and any eyes that follow the cfl that weren't opened before those two games uh, re how good the bombers are would certainly be now as you guys said they're five and one Uh, they are seen by everybody as the best team in the league at this stage craig dickinson the coach of the riders said after the game the Bombers are clearly the best team in the league, and everybody else is try- just trying to catch up. So there you go. They're uh, they're looking good right now after six games of the 14-game schedule. They hit the midway mark. It sounds odd to say that, but they hit the midway mark of the schedule this week when they go to Edmonton and play the Elks. Looking forward to that game Saturday night. And, Bob, uh, the Blue Bombers' six games equals 12 halves of football, and in four of those 12 halves, the Blue Bomber defense has yet to surrender a point. They are doing incredible things on defense, but the offense really found its groove, I I thought, in particular in that second half on on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, they looked very, very good. Uh, You know, Zach Kolaris is having a a terrific year. I know in some of the earlier games, Greg, the numbers weren't what people would look for. They had, you know, just over 300 yards of offense in some of those games, but... uh, I thought they looked really sharp in the game in Regina the week before. And then on Saturday, uh, you know, they were right there. Andrew Harris would probably tell you he'd like to get a few more yards on the ground. He had about 80 and looked frustrated at times in the fourth quarter because he couldn't quite break loose. He came very close. But the passing game was very good. Uh, Touchdown passes in the fourth quarter to Kenny Lawler and Darvin Adams. Uh, Calaris, you know, he's having a ball. When he was on our postgame show, he sounded almost giddy with uh, how much he's enjoying this season uh, with the Bombers at 5-1. and one. Then, of course, the defense, Greg, as you said. Uh, you know, in the last eight games, this is a stat that just is hard to get your head around. In the last eight games they've played against Saskatchewan, the last eight games against the Riders, they've given up four touchdowns, which is just uh, its incredible. You think, you know, in every CFL game, every team's going to score at least two touchdowns. Well, in eight games, the Riders have scored four against the Bombers the last eight they've played. So, boy, things are looking good for the Bombers, aren't they? We'll see see if they can carry on in Edmonton this week. You mentioned a lot of good there, Bob, but we do have to ask the kicking question because there were several missed attempts on the convert and and people wondering, well, what do we do at the kicker place? Who, Who can come in next if Mark can't get it done? Yeah, that is the question, I guess, that hovers over them, Loren, in terms of, uh, things that aren't working very well. Poor Legio missed not one, but two converts and fans were actually booing him a little bit. And then when he made one, they gave him that, you know, that sort of derisive cheer. 
I don't know what Mike O'Shea is going to do. We'll find out tonight on the coaches show. I'll ask him that question if he's going to stick with Leggio. He certainly will as their punter. He's done a nice job punting the ball, but the place kicking, man, it's it's been shaky in the last uh, couple of games, and they do have another kicker in town. So uh, we'll find out what uh, what Coach O'Shea will say about that tonight. But that is the one the one flaw, I guess, in the, in the Bombers' attack right now, and yet uh, they're winning in spite of it, which is the good news. Yeah, but there will be a point in time when those uh, those gimme points uh, that don't show up on the scoreboard will come back to haunt them. Uh, any points at all, I think, would be something Paul Lapolice, former longtime Blue Bomber offensive coordinator and, of course, former head coach of the Blue Bombers. One and four Red Blacks, things getting a little ugly in Ottawa. Well, for sure they are, and I felt sorry for the guy we call Lapo on Saturday night when they played in BC and got beat 45-13, he just doesn't have enough talent to work with. Uh, you know, Matt Nichols didn't play quarterback. Dom Davis did. And for all the great athletic ability Dom has, he turns the ball over way too much. Uh, Nichols apparently with his arm and shoulder just isn't ready to throw the ball the way you have to throw it to compete in the Canadian Football League. I don't know what they do at quarterback. They brought a bunch of new players in on the weekend, receivers and running backs. Uh, they do have a bye, so we'll see if they can come up with something. But right now, they're just they're just not good enough in terms of personnel. I, I don't blame this on the coaching staff there. It's all about personnel. So, I don't know. We'll we'll watch closely what Ottawa can do to get things going. But right now, it's a, it's a gloomy situation in the nation's capital. A positive thing to turn to, and I did watch the Banjo Bowl then while listening to you, Bob, but I also have to admit to switching back and forth to the tennis just to check in to see how Layla Fernandez was doing. She fell short in her bid to win the U.S. Open, but, man, there's no doubt that the future of tennis in this country is extremely bright. Yeah, it is. She was terrific, and I know that uh, everybody was kind of been blown away by her, <clears throat> pardon me, her comments after she lost the match. She made a reference to 9-11 because the match was played on Saturday, 9-11, the 20th anniversary. And there she is in New York after the devastation of losing that match. And she had the kind of the moxie, I would call it, to, you know, thank New Yorkers for all the support, especially during this tough period when they're recognizing the 20th anniversary of 9-11. So not only is she a great young tennis player, she seems like a great young human being. And that was really, it was really cool. And then, uh, the kid who beat her, Rudikana, is it Rudikana? I'm having trouble with the name right now from Great Britain, who was born in Canada. She's just as poised as Fernandez. So, uh, yeah, two terrific uh, young, I think, representatives of the game of tennis. Speaking of tennis, uh, before we let you go here, we would be remiss if we didn't mention the Joker, as he's mostly affectionately known as uh, lost in the U.S. Open final to Daniel uh, Medvedev. In doing so, Novak Djokovic missing out on a grand slam sweep and also missed out, Bob, on becoming the all-time majors winner. Djokovic remains tied with Federer and Nadal. All three of those uh, tennis superstars have 20 grand slam titles each uh, some people saying uh, maybe this is a little bit of a of karma for Djokovic. He's he's not the most popular player uh, in terms of the of the fans, Bob. Well, it it depends where he plays. Uh, sometimes the fans will get on him, Greg, because he you know he's a hothead. He slams his rackets, and uh, you know he's kind of a polarizing figure in some ways. 
uh, and it was whenever he loses, it's an upset, right? But Daniel Medvedev has been one of the best players on the tour all season long. He's the number two ranked player in the world, so I guess it's it's a surprise, but not a shock mm. that he beat Djokovic six four six four six four, where the scores he beat him in straight sets, which is surprising in itself. And yet, Djokovic, Djokovic was very classy uh, in his comments after the match. He gave Medvedev credit, and he actually thanked the fans in New York for for supporting him. But while they support him, they can get on him because of his antics sometimes. Mm-hmm. So he's, a, as I say, he's a he's a polarizing figure, but. Medvedev said in his uh, closing comments, he said, I think you are the greatest player in the history of tennis. And a lot of people feel that way. No question about it. Uh, coaches show tonight, 7 till 8. Blue Bombers will, as you mentioned, Bob, turn their attention to the Elks and a trip to Edmonton for another big game Saturday night. Uh, any injuries that you know of coming out of uh, the game last night, or will we learn a little bit more from the from the Bombers today? We'll learn more today, but it didn't look like there were any injuries of any significance. The major injury in that game was the Saskatchewan quarterback, Cody Fajardo, and I'm curious to find out more about that this week. But I think the Bombers, we won't know for a couple of days, Greg, you're right, but I think they came out of it again in pretty good shape. Outstanding. We can't wait for the coaches' show tonight. The coach and the legend, Bob Irving, the voice of your Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Bob, as always, we appreciate your time on a Monday morning. Enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, you guys too. Thanks. You got plans to watch the game Saturday night, McNabb? No plans made yet, but we'll be watching for sure. I, I, I have uh, really been having a lot of fun watching them this year. Even when it's the score is tight, or when it's low scoring or high scoring, like it was Saturday for the Bombers, it's all had these little little things along the way that, uh, like the melee, the scuffle. I thought, what the heck is going on here? It was chaos on the field, and I don't remember the last time I saw players ejected like that. So that. It was a learning situation for me. I got to tell you, it just feels like this team is absolutely poised to do more special things as a repeat of 2019 in the offing. Uh, dare I suggest I have friends uh, looking into a early December trip in southern Ontario. That's as close as I'm going to get to discussing uh, the GC. That's as close as I'm going to get to even saying the word. The home stretch, as we call it. Kathy Kennedy standing by. She's in from 10 till noon. We'll visit with her in about, oh, 15 minutes time. Find out what she has on the agenda for you today. Loren McNabb on my agenda is to decorate a smile cookie for Tim Hortons. I'm seeing my Twitter feed overwhelmed by uh, decorated cookies. We have decorated cookies all over the 30th floor here at 201 Boardage. Our colleagues at uh, Global News Morning, our colleagues at Power 97 have decorated cookies. And I guess I'm going to decorate some cookies on behalf of the two of us, if that's all right with you. You're going to have to because I have not made any at home and nor do I have any plans to. I like to buy the cookies, eat the cookies, enjoy the cookies. I'm not so much for making the cookie. Do you need me to drop some off at your house or you'll just go pick some up? Oh, at I'll just Tim go Hortons. pick some up. It's a good cause. Why not? All right. Yeah. The Smile Cookies available at Tim Hortons starting today through September 19th. 100% of the price, that's before taxes, of course, goes to help local charities and organizations in our community. The Smile Cookie program actually began in 1996 as a way to raise funds for the Hamilton Children's Hospital. That's, of course, in Ontario. 
Ontario and exactly where the Blue Bombers would like to be early December in the 108th Grey Cup. Today, 625 plus local charities and organizations in communities across Canada benefit from Smile Cookie Sales. So get your your tickets, get your cookies. Today, we want to tell you about getting some tickets to something special going on at the Centennial Concert Hall. As about 20 minutes ago, we gave away tickets to what sounds like a tremendous concert being put on by our friends at the WSO, Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra. Yeah, and the music, it's not going to be the typical classical affair. Instead, WSO musicians will be treating fans to a little bluegrass, Greg. And this weekend's concert coming up on the 17th and 18th, sorry, 18th and 19th, rather, it's going to mark the first time the symphony will be in front of a live audience in over a year. And so to tell us more, we're joined now by Mike Kemp. He's a percussionist. Good morning, Mike. Hi, how's it going this morning? We're good, thanks. And we're working to get Chris Ancy on the line. Is he with us? I'm here, yes, thank you. Perfect. Chris, okay, so I'm going to start with you, Mike, because Chris, fiddle, I can imagine how a fiddle fits into the bluegrass band, but Mike, when I picture percussion, I'm like thinking of somebody sitting on an old box banging against it. How is this going to work for you? What's percussion mean in the bluegrass contest? Context. I mean, you you pretty much nailed it right there. I sit on <laughs> I sit on a box, which is called a cajon. It's a... Uh, an instrument that is basically a wood box, but it has uh, metal snares like a snare drum would have on a, a drum kit. And uh, so I play that sometimes. I have kind of the old-timey, like, floor kick drum and snare drum with some brushes. I play some spoons on a tune. I sing a little bit. So it's a bit of a kind of a jack-of-all-trades, everything-in-the-kitchen-sink kind of setup for a bit here um, for the show. So... Um, a little less straightforward than playing the fiddle or the banjo or the bass, but uh, we make it work. Well, Mike, not to harp on the percussionist side of this, uh, but I didn't hear you mention washboard. You mentioned sink, but no washboard. Yeah, the the washboard and the uh, the old jug are the only two things that I am <laughs> I'm still working on getting into the repertoire. So. Maybe not this weekend, but uh, hopefully in the future, the, uh, the the group will allow me to introduce the old washboard and uh, you know old old timey jug, and we can make it a real real affair. No, so, Chris, oh, so go ahead, Loren. I was going to say, Chris, you're on the fiddle, so then you, that means you play violin normally. Like, are they actually two different instruments, the fiddle versus the violin? Uh, well, I do play violin with the symphony. Um, they are actually the same instrument. It's really just a matter of style, um, mostly to do with how you use the bow. So um, playing violin, you know, you're, you really, really want to replicate exactly what's on the page. And fiddle, you know, there's also a little more improvisation, a little more decoration, um, a little bit maybe a little bit more swung than classical music, I guess, is really the main difference. Now, Chris, part of playing the fiddle, at least in my experience, uh, involves standing up and kind of getting that foot going and maybe uh, doing a little jig while you're playing the fiddle. Do you get up out of your chair? Do you, do you get outside the comfort zone a little bit? Well, I'm definitely going to stand. Uh, I do tap my foot when I'm playing fiddle music. Uh, I don't think I'm going to dance, and I won't, I won't apologize for that. <laughs> nobody, needs, nobody needs to see that. I was going to say, you're suggesting that's a good thing, that you won't be yeah, dancing. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Fair it enough. is that kind of toe-tappy music. And Mike, I mean, we referenced it off the top. It's been a long time. I know a lot of digital performances have been done and streaming performances, but you're going to have your live audience back. How's everyone feeling about that, Mike? 
uh, I can speak for myself and I think probably everyone else in the group as well as the entire WSO in that we are incredibly excited to get in front of a live audience again. Um, the absence of, you know, fans in the stands, if you want to use the sports analogy, um, it impacts us as well. You know, it's just a kind of a vacuum of energy when we were doing a lot of the live streams and certainly we're very appreciative of, you know, the organization and everything to be able to keep live performances going for, for the audiences. But, you know, the energy that you get from, from having people there watching and you just kind of vibe off of them. And especially for a program like this, where it's some, some really fun, uplifting, good, you know, toe tapping music, as we said, uh, to be able to see the smiles and people just, well, I guess everyone's wearing a mask. So to be able to see the, the, the eye smiles and, uh, you know, just feel the energy of people being excited to be around live music again. And, and uh, yeah, we're all incredibly excited and looking forward to kicking the season off with, with people in the, the seats. It's going to be incredibly um, rewarding, I think, for both, both sides. Well, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Mike the sports analogy, and earlier this morning, I'm just going to press play on this. We were playing a little bit of Thunderstruck from ACDC, as performed by Steven Seagulls, and one of our listeners texted in right away. Oh, Steven Seagulls, they are fantastic. They're like a modern, would you call it like a, a, a jug band? Where they've yeah. got the spoons, they've got the accordion, they've got the banjo going, they've got the, the brushes on the drum, and they perform these these popular tunes. And, you know, since Julian Pelicano has become a friend of ours, we've always raved about the idea of how the WSO has reinvented itself and, and created these uh, outreach programs, in my mind, that connect people that might not otherwise come to see symphony music but they will come and see something like this bluegrass performance on the weekend. It's such a, such an excellent um, opportunity to grow the acceptance and the and, and to increase the embrace, Chris, of of the WSO overall by by stretching the boundaries the other way and, and meeting us in the middle, so to speak. Uh, I would agree with that for sure. I mean, to me, I. I sort of have a, a pretty wide range of musical tastes and interests and I like the fact that we can put together a group like this and and put a show on stage that we don't we wouldn't normally the four of us in the in the band at least wouldn't normally get to do um, so it's pretty exciting I must say and uh, overall I mean I think the WSO does present like a pretty wide range of you know classics and pops and movies and we do our education and outreach um, uh, every year, and and actually, this group started out as one of those small groups that goes uh, out to schools to play for kids, and um, and then it's sort of morphed into something a bit bigger over the years. I want to mention before we get a few details about how people can get tickets if they want, Mike, uh, Julian Pelicano has been on the show often. We speak to him in his conductor capacity, but I'm reading now he's going to appear with you on accordion for one of the songs. He is. He's going to dust off the accordion. He is quite the accomplished uh, accordion player. I, I, he might disagree with the accomplished part, but he is a fantastic accordion player, and he is actually one of the founding members of the group. Um, I replaced Julian when his duties as conductor kind of got too big that he wasn't able to, uh, you know, give his all to the group, if you will. And uh, so we kind of transitioned me into the group. And, uh, yeah, he's going to join us with uh, a few tunes on accordion. And he's, it's always just such a blast. As you know, as you're saying, you, you know Julian quite well. He's just 
um, a fantastic human being first and foremost, and an, uh, a wonderful musician. So getting to collaborate with Julian and it's just the whole group. We just have such a great time. Um, we all get along so well, which is, you know, not always the case in, in bands, but we're still, uh, you know, we, we are all good friends and we all love making music together. And, and I think uh, for those that come to the show this weekend, which everyone should, because it'll be great. Um, hopefully you'll get to witness just how, uh, how much fun we have. And, and that's another part, like you were saying, we're trying to kind of break down that barrier between what classical musicians stereotypically are and, and what we really are. You know, like I, I spent all day yesterday watching NFL football and I watch hockey and we listen to different types of music and I go to the grocery store just like everyone else. But because we wear tails on a concert hall stage, sometimes it comes off a little mm. stuffy. So hopefully we can uh, change that opinion this weekend and, and create a few new fans for the symphony. WSO.ca is the website. And I know Tino, uh, is it Fuente? Oh, Puente, yeah. that is uh, that. That's Julian's uh, favorite drummer of all time. Yeah. So you're gonna sneak in some of that, uh, you uh, know? I'll, I'll try. I mean, he, it, it's tough when when you got Julian in the group. He's such a, an accomplished percussionist. We have a, a lot of overlap as well. So I'm always, uh, you know, just looking over my shoulder because I know I replaced him. So you know, you got to make sure. You never know. He might want to just get full time back in the group, and then I'm back out on the street. You know, finding something to do. You, you don't so. want to give him too much opportunity, otherwise you're out. Exactly. You know, it's it's like you got to seize the opportunity when you get the chance, and uh, be careful. So. <laughs> Chris, okay, well, it's just it's just like the percussionist to to take over the interview. We might have uh, had a hand in that. Tell us how we can get tickets and when the performances are, if you can. Uh, well, I would suggest calling the box office or checking out the website. Um, there's two shows this weekend: one on Saturday night and one on Sunday afternoon. Um, so two opportunities to see us, and there's also uh, online uh, tickets available as well. The new sounds, as they're called. Sorry, Loren, Gregory Hay, and our guest Chris Asti, Ansty, and Mike right. Kemp, along with Meredith Johnson. And Meredith plays a double bass, so that's going to be absolutely extraordinary. Thanks for this, you guys. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. I want them both to make a promise. When we're back in studio, of course, we're all working from home and split up. I would love to have them come into studio and play oh. a little bit for us live. So I'm just going to hold them to that. Does that work for you guys, I'm, Chris and Mike? I'm sure that can be arranged. Awesome. That'll be an easy sell. We'll get Julian <laughs> as well. We absolutely love it. Thanks, fellas. We appreciate this. And uh, we uh, always love uh, speaking with you at the WSO. Congratulations on, on getting through this pandemic and, and bringing such wonderful music to our lives. It's, it's uh, quite the gift. Thanks for the opportunity. We appreciate it. Once again, that's the WSO. They call it. It's this group of four with a special guest appearance from Julian Pelicano. Bluegrass Symphony featuring new sounds. Centennial Concert Hall. It runs on uh, the 18th. That's Saturday night at 7.30. Sunday afternoon at 2 p.m. We'll have tickets for you all week. But if you don't trust uh, the winning, just get ahead of it. WSO.ca. Get your tickets there. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. 
And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.